Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening, Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. My name is Michael Anthony Ingram. My guests tonight are acclaimed poets Ken Allen Jonesfield and Michael Lee Johnson. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hello, How Michael. Doing? How are you? I'm quite well. I'm quite. I am so excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm. I'm glad that you're here with me on the closing night. Well, the last, the the, the, the night before the closing night of National Poetry Month. I want to start with you, Ken. Why is it important that we celebrate this month? <laughs> I think we need we need something for poetry. Uh in the past past years, twenty, thirty years, it's gone up and down. And uh I really think we need to celebrate poetry. We need to get it out there a little more. And uh that's what I think. All right, very nice. What about you, Michael? Why should we celebrate this month? Oh, you're making me wing this. Okay. Um, yes. Let's see. Here. I think I think the reason to celebrate uh, Poetry Month, or any month, as far as that goes, is it's it's the expansion of the mind and the mystical sense of oneself and those around us that we tend to hear, place, and listen to things we don't normally consume. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Ken, let's get started. Please share a poem. All right. Well, hang on one second. Let me take one out of here. Here we go. Okay, let's start right off with a springtime poem. This is called Spring's Caress. With winter's end, the warmth of April arrives. The pond's ice is out, and turtles now sun on logs. Robins and their young bounce across the lawn, hunting for worms and grubs just under the soil. The days bring barbecues and the ice cream man, the lilacs, odiferous in purple, white, and reds. Their unmistakable essence wafts about our yard. Families on bicycles off for a daytime adventure, a picnic in the park, or off to the crowded beach. The lovely dogwoods and cherry blossoms are now finally in bloom, so colorful and magnificent. Easter eggs are found hiding all about the lawns, missed by young children and adults combined. Cottontail bunnies scatter, running from hidden hoodoos and what's-its from behind the maples. At twilight, the dew fairies leave water drops upon new leaves as the wildflowers waltz about. April is a euphoric time of renewal and rebirth. We're exhilarated at the caress of each sunrise. That was beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Michael, please join us. Please share a poem. 
Oh, my. Okay. You know, like we were kidding around in the beginning, but I was trying to get ready here, and I had all my phones yes. all set up so I could read them. And I turned off the computer thinking I was really smart, and I came back up, and the phones were gone. So I'm going to have to be winging it here, so bear with me. All right. Uh, not a problem. Not a problem. All I'll right. ask Ken this question. Oh, did you find one? Did you find one? Yeah, I'm, 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 go, I'm going to make it here, I think. Okay. I'm going to get through. All right, sir. Just all right. a second do here. It. All right. Um, I have a poem here from 2017, actually. I've got, uh, let's see, one or two from the past and one that's new that hasn't been published. But here is a poem called I Edit My Life. I edit my life. Close line pins and clips hang to dry, dirty laundry. I turn poetic hedonistic in my early 70s. Reviewing the joys and the sorrows of my journey. I find myself wanting a new review, a new product, a new time machine, a new internet space, a new planet where we small, we creative creatures can grow. All right. Wow. Very Were nice, you able Michael. to hear that, by the way? Because I hear a lot of buzzing on my end. Yeah, there was some uh, buzzing. I hear some buzzing. Yeah. I heard a little, but I, I heard the whole poem. Yep. Very nice, Michael. Well, thank Very you. Very nice, Ken. Michael. Very I nice. Appreciate Very it. nice. Yes, Come on, Ken. You want to get into a fist fight here? You know that I'm better than you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Ken and I, we go back on we go back a long way, so I'm going to let you, Michael, handle this before we have a fist fight. No, I'm just kidding. Nah. Nah. You know, you don't, no match, you guys. I'm going to pull one on you. Did you know that Ken is actually an ordained minister? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, sir. It is? Yeah. Wow. Here's that buzz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me have All right, Michael, take her back. <laughs> but have a little fun here. Yes, of course. I want us to have fun. This is about fun. This is celebrating National Poetry Month. But what I want to know from both of you guys, what is this thing we call poetry? What is it? What is it? I, that's what I want to know. What is it? Who'd like to start? Go ahead, Michael. All right. I, I, okay. I have no idea. Uh, the bottom line is, I think, for me, uh, for me, you know, as the years have passed, uh, poetry actually used to be cumbersome, and to be honest, could be depressing at times. But as I got yes. older, I found it an enjoyable uh, journey through life that actually became a healing element in my life over time. Uh, so I think what I really enjoy about poetry, just from a poetic point of view, is I enjoy the imagery, I enjoy the way things flow, and I always like to see a kicker line at the bottom or something that just twists a little bit different that makes me say, stop, think about this. That's mm. it. All right, all right, all right. Ken, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I do it for the money. <laughs> oh, Ken, I love that. Oh, I'm going to get you on that one, baby. Hey, I'm the professional here. I make more money than you do on this stuff. You know, we're both rich. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
that was funny. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope this is the last Anything, <laughs> anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> yeah. All right. I, oh, you do uh, it go for ahead, money, and that's it. Okay. But anyway, right. I'm always... <laughs> <laughs> you were saying, Kate. Well, I knew Michael would love that one because Lord knows he, he busted his hump on these our books, our anthologies that we worked on. We worked hours and hours and hours and hours on them. And really, you know, you don't have much to show for it except a real sense of, you know, pride that you put it out. And Oh, I got and, the money, uh, Ken. <laughs> He's got me. He got paid. Check me. Well, but anyway, you didn't know that kid. Yeah, there you go. Where's that family no, lawyer number? Ken. Ken, what, Ken, what is poetry? What is poetry? Poetry, believe it or not, poetry to me is actually condensing an entire storyline down into a few lines. I think that's what makes a good poem. It's taking, if you take the thousand words in every picture and all of that, poetry takes those 6,000 words in a story, a short story, and turns it, and you take it and you whittle it down so that the story is still understandable, it still makes sense, and it's poetic. It has to flow a certain way. And like Michael says, he likes to see that little kicker at the end. And, and that's, to me, that's poetry. You know, I try to whittle my poems down. I write, most of my poems are only 12 lines. I, I don't oh, really? get into these. Yeah, I don't get into the sixty-line poems and that. I I stick right around twelve, sixteen, maybe twenty, and uh, that's 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 poetry to me. All right, very nice, very nice. I'd like to ask both of you: What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Start with you, Michael. An early experience. Oh, this is, believe it or not, this is actually a fairly easy one for me. Because I still remember the memory. It tells me that it was potent. Back, oh, let's see here. Oh, I was married once and I got divorced. Anyway, I ended up going to Marion College in Marion, Indiana. It's called something else now. I was at a restaurant sitting there, you know, uh, covering up my papers so the guy next to me at the counter. Back in the days when they had coffee shops that had, you know, counters at the front where the waitress come up, pour your coffee, come back in 20 minutes, whatever. And this guy saw me, beside me, he says, why are, why are you hovering over whatever you're doing? And I said, well, because it's personal. Uh, personal, he said, what is it? And I said, well, I, I said, I'm writing some poetry. You know, and I was probably, this goes all the way back to 1968. And the guy, guy looked at me and says, well, let me read it. And, he, and, and I said, oh, no, 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 this is not complete. It's not good. That, you know what? He said, you know what? He says, you're a very selfish young person, Michael Lee Johnson. You know, the reality is poetry is out there to be read, to be enjoyed, and to live our lives through. And you know what? 
I have never forgotten that. I don't know if that answered the question, but it might come close. Yes, it did. Yes, it does come close. Thank you very much. You know, in 1968, I was five years old. That's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) That's not my fault, buddy. (laughs) Oh, boy. What about what about you? By the way, I'm sort of filling in time here, still looking for my poems. (laughs) Oh Lord! (laughs) Hey Ken, you're doing a bit of a pip. Some of your poems go longer than ten lines, all right. But you know, actually, in in all honesty, uh, I think Ken had a great point. I have learned, and you know, I try my best to cut it back. But sometimes, I very seldom ever go over thirty lines. But I, you know, most of mine are somewhere between sixteen and twenty-eight. Not all; okay. some smaller, a few longer. But I found out through uh, experience as being the administrator on many of these poetry sites and watching yes. what other people post up there, that the truth of the matter is, people just don't take time to read a long poem. They don't. They're, they yes. just of all these things out there with social media, etc. They are not looking for epic poems. Yes, no, that's true. That's true. What about an early experience, Ken? What an early experience that helped you realize that poetry had power? Hmm. Hmm. My experience, it would have been in high school. Uh, I was not an English major. <laughs> Let's throw that I out there. I failed English. Let's throw that. Yeah, I... <laughs> I was close, believe me. Uh, But I think mine was high school, and I read, uh, well, of course, you know. I read Rod McEwen, and I read a lot of what what he wrote at that time. And, you know, I used to sit back and really read it, and then I would read it again, and each time I read it, I seem I seem to have found something else. I found something else in it, and uh, I was just really enamored at at how somebody could write something so and not you know need forty eight pages to do it. You know, he could do it in okay. one page and could really express so many emotions. But it, it was just really a draw for me, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then I started reading a lot of the horror masters, <laughs> which is how I actually started in poetry, uh, in getting published, was with horror-type uh, classics and such. But anyway, that's another story. But that would All be right, mine. Very nice. was just, was okay. just at that time. All right, all right. Well, Michael, for you, what as you think about your body of work, what are some of the predominant themes? Are you talking to me and asking me a serious question? No, yes, kidding. I am. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I do it all on this program. We do it all. Yeah. We cover the gamut. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, 
Let me think about that for about three hours. No, you know, I think I think I'm no different than anybody else. I have to make a comment about something Ken said because he and I think so much alike. It's just incredible, and that's why we get along so. I'm jumping off. I'm sorry, Michael, but we get we get along so well. That's why we edited three anthologies from our group members on Facebook because we get along so well because our backgrounds are so very similar. Bottom line is, I started out reading who. Rod McEwen. Rod McEwen. You know, and I didn't oh, know at the time that he was, excuse me, gay. I didn't know at the time that uh, his his poetry is simple and uh, whatever. But it was my starting point, too. Now, what was that question you were going to ask somebody, Michael? Your predominant themes. Oh, you know, I think it's much like everybody else when they start out. It's depressing as hell. Uh, usually write about loneliness, lost relationships, um, uh Vacated out of yourself to some place you can't figure out, so you try to put it in place with words. But, you know, like I said before, that as I matured and I gained some stability in my life after the Vietnam War and got back in the United States, etc., I, I, you know, I, I gained some staples there, a relationship of 30 years, uh, you know, a condo that I own, a, a cat called Nikki for 22 and a half years. And all of a sudden, my mm. poetry started to evolve, and it became a healthy thing, not a negative thing. And the themes haven't always changed. I still have some of those lonely poems. I still have some perky poems. I'm going to share one of the perky, joyful ones tonight. But uh, but I think it's evolved to the point where the theme is not as much as the matter. Mm-hmm. Well, please share a poem for us. What's that? Please share a poem. I'm oh, sorry, Mike. I didn't hear you. Okay, please share Are you doing a me poem. here or Ken? No, I'm, uh, I'm talking to, to you, Michael. Share a poem. Oh, this is sort of a sort of a funny one, I think. I remember uh, back about uh, 2017 again, sitting in the bathroom trying to urinate, and I couldn't because I'm too old. But anyway, I'm sitting right. there, and all of a sudden this fly comes by. You know, this fly comes by. Not, not just any kind of a fly. I'm talking about a big old horse fly, right? But anyway, this poem is called Heaven is My Horse Fly. A common horse fly, peripatetic traveler, Vacationing in my world into my bathroom. Ride me, cowboy fly. It's summertime. Land on my toilet seat. Pit stops at Nikki's bar and grill. Kitty litter box refills. Thirteen round trips buzzing my skin and skull. He calls them short runs. Steady pilot, good mileage. Frequent flyer credits, I swat his war journey splat down then an abrupt end. <laughs> oh, you think I'm a funny ass, eh? I'll never think about You know, Michael, I like to you know, sometimes spank PhD types, you know what I mean? You know. But anyway. Don't do it, don't do it. Every PhD professor I had failed me in poetry or did something wrong. Definitely (laughs) one of those imagery-filled poems right there. (laughs) Yes, yes. And can you, your themes, what are some of the predominant themes of your work? Oh, gosh. Well, I started off usually normal with writing a few love poems, but not too many. 
back in the, you know, when you're 17, 18, 19, the, you know, your horsepower rating is way up, and you just want to run all the time. So, you know, you had to give something to catch a girl's eye, catch her ear, whatever. So I did that. But then I realized I wasn't happy writing. <laughs> so I went to horror horror-type uh, poetry and deep poetry. And... Uh, I've now changed. I'm more into writing classical type poetry. I have uh, been writing a lot of Spenserian sonnets, Shakespearean sonnets, uh, high bun poetry. Now I know why I'm bored. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that's it. So that's what I've been doing. I've been moving around and changing here and there. And um, that's about it. All right. Well, share a poem for us, please. All right. Well, let me see here. Uh, let's go with a Spenserian sonnet. Uh, this is an actual formatted sonnet. Sonnet 21, Old Hiking Shoes, Spenserian format. Don't grieve for me here on the attic shelf. We're joined infinitely as one, you said. In an old moldy box now by myself. My place was there, tucked well under your bed. Don't grieve for me here within the dark dread. The days and nights meld together as one. Reflect on happy times. You always said, sweet dreams now rain as dead leaves in the sun. Memories fade away after you're done. The old just crumble away into dust. Remember all the mountain trails we've run. You never showed fear, only virtue and trust. Don't grieve, I'm here above your clarinet on the top shelf right beside your train set. That's that you know, I, you know I, that's very nice, Ken. i got to be honest. You know, I have noticed, and I'm going to interrupt here, but I, I have noticed, yes. Ken, a real transition in your writing over the last, I'd say, year and a half has shifted, you know, and that's a good thing in a way because because you're so smart now and, and so complicated that uh, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> You know, with friends like Michael, you don't need enemies. You don't need enemies. You don't need enemies. You don't need enemies. You don't, you know what? I, you know, I have to share this because I just can't get along without it. The bottom line is when Ken and I first met, this is an actual story, by the way. It may be slightly okay. off. But Ken, uh, you know, when I was running some of the poetry sites, we were barely beginning. I think Ken mentioned we had 600 members on one of the Facebook groups at the time, Facebook poetry groups. You know, and yeah. he sent me an email or he sent me a messenger or whatever. He says, you know, he says, I'm feeling pretty insecure about this. And I don't really, I don't really think I know if my poetry is really any good or not. You know, and he sent me, I said, well, send me three poems or so. And he sent them to me. I read them and my immediate 
gut reaction was, this guy is good. This guy mm. is going to make it. And you know what? Without even thought, I turned around and asked him if he would be my co-editor, not even knowing him too well. And we worked diligently, and I mean hard and diligently. Each one of those anthologies took a year uh, together, and we seldom had any conflict. Ken, you're just that good. I had a good time, to tell you the truth. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. He is. I'm not kidding. I mean, uh, it was an amazing story. Uh, we have another uh, person. Uh, Ken, you know who this is, Christine uh, Tabaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we we looked at her and we wondered if, I don't know about this lady, you know, whatever. And I had a hunch about her, even though I'll be honest with you, I was pretty weak about my opinion at the time. But uh, but I took a jump on her. And has she ever come through? She is so motivated. Yes. Uh, yes. Such, a, such a good person. And you know what? Yes. Very talented now. Yes, very nice. Very nice. Yes. Let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Johnson, I feel like I'm talking to greatness tonight, everybody. I am so pleased that these two gentlemen are with me. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Ken, for you, who are some of yours and what makes them great in your eyes? (laughs) Wow. Oh, my Lord. As far as the writers go, uh, I like Shakespeare. I have right. always loved his work, and uh, I studied his work in high school, unbeknownst to my teachers, because, you know, good Lord, we couldn't get an A. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we wouldn't want to do that. So, but I uh, carried around books with me all day and uh, read his work, and uh, he was he was a major influence in a lot of what I do, even to this day. So. All right, very nice. Anybody else with an influence on you? Ed, Edgar Allan Poe was a major influence. Uh, I still am amazed at his poem, The Raven. I, matter mm. of fact, I read it. I read it uh, on my YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Uh, Great. Oh yes, yes, I have a YouTube channel and. And uh, I have a lot of members on there, and 1,700 members. And they they really enjoy my poetry. And uh, for last Halloween, I had uh, the October Scare Fest and read only haunted poems. 
and the last poem for October was The Raven in its entirety, no, I... the entire poem. Oh, wow. And uh, it went Beautiful. over really well. They really, really enjoyed it. And even though, you know, I didn't read it, I write it, I mean, but I just read it. But they really enjoyed it. It was something different. I think everybody's mm-hmm. heard of his work. And everybody's yes. heard of The Raven. But not many people have really sat down and heard the entire poem. It's really something. Well, what do you think you learned about yourself from reading The Raven? What is it about The Raven that stood out so much? The, I think it really made me sit back and take a second look at my own work is what it was because the way that Edgar Allan Poe phrased his phraseology, uh, the way he worked the storyline, uh, it's an actual story is what it is, but he made it into this unbelievable poem. And uh, I just I just really enjoyed, you know, the, the way he mastered the pen as it was. All right. Thank you. And, Michael, you, who are, who are some of your writing influences? You know, actually, it's pretty pretty easy for me. Uh, uh, unlike Ken, uh, you know, Shakespeare, don't like him. Never have. In fact, he's part of the reason I used to, in grade 8, 9, and 10, and whatever, uh, uh, how do I say this? The only thing that kept me from college was high school. But, mm-hmm. uh, and Shakespeare <laughs> certainly was one of them. You know, but, but, but... Uh, Actually, uh, just to the point, I'm, I'm more simple in my writing. Uh, the biggest influence in my life early was Carl Sandburg. Uh, okay. I, I totally like Carl Sandburg. He was from the Illinois area. Of course, he, uh, you know, he lived in different places in the country and ultimately died, I don't know, North or South Carolina. But, you know, I, I read uh, his poems. They were very simple. They were very imagistic. They made me sit back and just feel them. Uh, I don't know if I can wing this or not. Uh, simple poem, very short. I think it was called Fog. The fog comes on little cat feet. It sits looking over harbor and city on silent haunches and then goes on. It leaves you in a certain kind of a mystic, and and that's what I like. Uh, my second major influence, and I think Ken's aware of this, was Leonard Cohen, who I had the opportunity to meet once yes. in Canada while I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Cohen was uh, was a major influence in my life. As most of us know, in his early years, he wrote poetry. Then he got smart and said, hey, I've got a terrible voice, but I'm going to learn to sing and make money with my uh, songwriting. But uh, as t- in terms of an early influence, again, high imagery, uh, romantic uh, poetry. Uh, then I got into more, uh, well, come on. Then I got into, you know, somebody, some, I wrote a poem to an editor one time. She said, you know what, you sound a lot like, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, what, what's the drunken poet, uh, Ken? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Oh, Kukowski. Kukowski. You know, and then, then I, but I said, wait a minute, I got a little bit more, you know, class than that. Give me a break. But I, I'm heavily influenced by Bukowski after reading some of his poems, especially a poem called uh, Bluebird. And uh, actually, a few, uh, a few academics, uh, 
one of them, I'm trying to remember these out of my mind. I have to close my eyes to remember. Oh, that was the poet that was so well-known out of Ontario. Well, we had a lady there, too, and I can't think of her name right now, nor can I think of the other one. But, you know, I read I read all of those ones, like Teasdale and, uh, oh, I hate to say it, but, you know, Sylvia Plath and uh, a lot yes. of the poets that, quote, killed themselves. But, uh, but uh, fortunately, I haven't done that yet. That's it. Fortunately, you haven't killed yourself yet? What's that? But, uh, hey, did I hear a smart remark from somebody? <laughs> was that Ken or was that Michael? I think that was Michael. Oh, well. Oh, Irving Layton from Ontario and uh, Margaret Atwood from Ontario. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Share a poem for us, sir. Who? You. Me? <laughs> yep. You got that kind of time, eh? Hold on here. I gotta go find a piece of paper someplace. Where did I put it? Because oh, I couldn't put it up. That's the second. All right, let's go for it. Oh, yeah, this is a new poem actually. It's on it's on YouTube already because I I found out something and I, this is sharing information that's sort of valuable actually. Before I begin this, I found out that when you write a new poem, there's always errors in there. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've also learned to get Grammarly and use it, even yes, though I hate Grammarly. grammar. I failed grammar. I couldn't even get out of high school. I flunked English. I failed creative writing course, whatever, in college. But the bottom line is I always hesitate to use something like Grammarly, but I'm very pleased with it because it allows me to make up my own mind what's important and what's not within the realm of poetry. Mm. But it corrects some yes. really simple, stupid errors. You know, I don't know how I got on that, but Michael, you got anything else you want to talk about? No. <laughs> anyway, this poem is called Keyboard. <laughs> anyway, this poem is called Keyboard. Keyboard. Now, you got, can you got to stop laughing? You got to put that Jack Daniels down, right? But anyway, uh, Keyboard. Keyboard dancing. Poet, writer. Old, bold ribbons are worn out. Tight keys bent out of shape, 40 words per minute, high school. Smith Corona, 220 electric, ultimately gave out. Carrying case, lost key. No typewriter repairmen anymore. It is this media, new age apps, for internet dreams, porch nightmares. Nothing can go wrong, right? Hey, geographer, my COVID-19 shots completely one at a time. Unfinished poems can wait. Hang, start up, hang, start up like Jesus. Ragged on that wooden cross. Revise a few lines at a time. Near the end, complete to finish. I will touch my way out of this life, as Elton John says. Like a candle in the wind, I will be at my keyboard late at night. That moment I pass, my fingertips stop. Wow. Wow. That's all. Like Elton John said, candle in the wind. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. I can't go blow your own candle out, all right? 
you back there. They got fun on my porch. I'm going to smack that little son of a gun on the butt when I get a chance. Oklahoma, here I come. <laughs> come on down, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh, share pompos, Ken. Share pompos. All right. Well, you know what? I, I thought about this, and I've got a bottle of Jack from Mike right here. Uh, this is the first poem that I ever had officially published, and I'm going to read just the shortened version the eight-line poem. Uh, Michael remembers it very well since he published it. Mm. And the title, the title of the poem is Jack Speaks. Although intoxicated within ethereal madness, bound within the chains of a soulless treason, I'm desperately in love with this gothic sadness while staring into a fog of disheartened reason, walking and stalking through dark, rancid streets, stopping for pints, now the pain's finally receding, through smoke and crowds, reverent and discreet, a bottle to the abyss, now heartless and bleeding, I, I do, Ken, I do remember that. And, you know, it's one of the poems I was impressed with. Uh, and I think, did I do this or not? I think uh, that's one of the poems that I took and I read and restructured and put it up on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, read it, you read it. You read it. You didn't restructure it, but you did read no, it. No, you're right. No, you're right. I didn't restructure <laughs> it. All I did was read it and create the video. Yeah. But I was very yeah. impressed with the poem. Yeah. And um, yeah. I do that quite a bit. No, I don't do that a lot. I do it with maybe yeah. five or eight people that I've known that I have a lot of faith in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That I take a poem and I create one on YouTube. Well, that one that one was the first poem that I ever sent to you, and uh, asked you to read it. That was it, and you published it on one of your your uh, blog sites, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's one of those poems I think at the beginning that I saw this. So, wait a minute here, we got something special. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, and you know what? I picked up on Ken Drunsfield immediately. I mean, immediately. He had the mm. desire, he was a little bit insecure, he had the desire, and he had the motivation, and he has never stopped since. That's my next question. That's my next question of both of you. You're both extremely prolific. What is the most difficult part of the artistic process? Ken, that's yours, man. I don't want anything to do with that one. Let me say this really quickly. You guys <laughs> have made my night. You both well, make me you. smile. I wish that I had an opportunity to spend time with both of you, all three of us together, just talking about the art and craft of poetry and just laughing. <laughs> and just I don't even want to be laughing. with you unless you pay for the bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Okay, I'll pay. I'll pay. <laughs> I'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if that'll get you there, uh, I'm I'll kidding. Pay. Oh, you know, you, you sound like a great guy. You know, I, I've seen you posting on my sites and stuff. And, uh, you know, I paid attention to it, but, you know, whatever. But, you know, uh, this is yeah. the first chance and opportunity that I've been able to get uh, to get to know you better and how what well, a classy you. guy you are. Well, th- I appreciate that. Let me say this to you. It was your group, the audiovisual group, that made me say, hey, Michael, do your poetry program. Because here's a guy who wants to find out more about audiovisual kinds of things. Well, p- people have an opportunity to come to be poets on the air, and I thought that was so amazing. So I think that may have been the first group of yours that I joined. So I just want to say thank you for that. Well, listen, uh, you know, I, you know, well, I'm not going to say much about this. I've got a long history now. I do. You know, Ken, Ken, you know, you read that. You said that was one of your first poems. You know what? Your first poem is so much better than my first poems. I can't even compare them. <laughs> when did you write that? When did you write that poem? Do you remember the uh, year? Yes, I wrote that poem. As a matter of fact, it was three months before I sent it to you, which was, when was that? Uh, 2015, I think it was. Oh, you're you're just a newbie, baby. Now, you know that's not true because you wrote some poetry before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, None of of which you or I would ever send to anybody. No, (laughs) no. no, But what I've done is I've gone through it. Back to my question again. What is the most difficult part of the artistic process? Is it sending the work out to other people? Is it just sitting down doing it? What is the most difficult part, Ken? You know, the most difficult part for me has never been sending it out. I I don't mind sending it out. Uh, I don't mind the rejections. You get rejections and you just plug on. I think the most difficult part in my, so far in my journey through poetry, has been actually reading poetry for the anthologies. This Mm. was really difficult work. Because, you know, as a poet, we have a style. We have a way that we write. We have a way that we think. And when you sit down and you have got to read 70 poems in one night, it really throws a a monkey wrench into your spokes, so to speak. It can really hurt you. Uh, I found that out. I I was pretty prolific at that time, and I slowed down a lot after putting out the third anthology. Uh, matter of fact, I didn't even write a poem for probably a month or two before I started writing again because all of the work that I had, the whole body of work that I had just spent hours reading and then judging and then sending them to Mike, and then Mike would look through them and he would you know, yep, okay, this tree will keep these three, and, and the whole process, it really took a lot. But it did go well between it you and I. It went very well. We worked together just like we were We were right sitting. on the same, same oh, yeah. I don't know. And it we was, were on the same was, thought pattern. Yeah, and it was just like we were sitting in a desk staring at one another, working back and forth. It was, It was just so... You know, real, so and so easy to work with Mike, and uh, you know we got through it. And the anthologies, all three of them are beautiful. And uh, I did the artwork on all three of them. I did the artwork. 
Oh, you and, do the uh, as well. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do that for my own books as well. So. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Uh, you know, and I had, I actually had, uh, uh, you know, uh, and doing the manuscripts is an absolute nightmare. But, oh, yeah. the bottom, yeah. but, but the bottom line is Ken's absolutely right. It was a real – we thank God Ken and I worked so well together. <laughs> but each one of those anthologies, and Ken will attest to this, took a year to complete. One yeah. year yeah. for one, two – one year. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you, know, Ken, you know, the first one was – I had some errors, and the second one was probably our best, Dandelion, whatever, and uh, Vasa Roses. Yeah. And then yep. we had the warrior one, and the warrior one I cut back intensely because I realized the strain it was having. Yeah, a lot of strain on both of us. So it's, it's not easy being an editor. It's not easy yep. being an editor. It's not easy being a publisher. It's not easy being a poet. You right. know, poems no, are hard to create. Yes, but yes. I mean, I think that's a very, 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 very nicely stated. That it's just not easy. And all no, three of those it's not easy. It's not easy. And, uh, it's not easy. But the, but the and you don't get paid much make, for it. No, you, you don't. don't get and paid the much biggest for point it. I'm going to make, though, is that I look back at it and I wouldn't change a thing. I would mm. do all of it exactly the same. We work well together. We produce good poetry. It's out there. It's still out there. It's still on Amazon for sale. And we still sell one or two here and there, but it's good poetry, and we we did a good job, and I'm proud of it. Fantastic. I also I also think that uh, having now I have I think I'm up to uh, Facebook groups. I think I've got five or six now that I run, and I got to be honest, being the administrator takes up about seventy percent of my time. It's overwhelming. I'm sure it does. But I'm sure it does. And uh, hey, and we have a have a nightmare going on right now. There is somebody. That evidently Facebook can't. Ca- I mean, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook can't catch up with. This is some guy posting inappropriate uh, videos of uh, police killings and abuse and blah blah blah. Every day I have to delete 10, 15, 20 of these on all my sites. Oh wow! And you know what? Michael. Then I found then I found out that it's just not my sites. It's other people's and even individuals. And Facebook has not caught up with this. But anyway, getting past that, uh, yes, it takes a lot of time. Uh, to edit, to uh, publish a book. Uh, yeah, and Ken, oh my Lord. Ken, I sent him four poems, okay? This is Marianne or whatever. <laughs> I couldn't hardly breathe. Like 10 minutes later, here they come back. I looked at them and said, you know what? I agree. You know, and, and I think maybe in all those experiences of three anthologies, we may have had one or two or three we had to go back and take a little bit more careful look at, but it was so yes. close to automatic. Wow, it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it was beautiful because I'll tell you what, if it wouldn't have been beautiful, we'd never gotten through it, right, Ken? That's right. Yeah, because it was rough. Share a poem, Michael. Share a poem for us. Oh, you know what? You go. Oh, okay. What the hell? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, Ken shared. Ken shared one of his uh, first poems, or one of the first published poems. I'll share with you one of the poems. I don't know if it's ever been published, but it was. Uh, I don't. When did I date this? In 1968. Just I left for left the United States. I think it was, uh, May of 1970. I came back in May of 1980. I spent 10 years in exile, the Vietnam War. But I think just before I left, 1968, it says here, pre-exile Vietnam War, 
Now, you talk about first poems that aren't very good. You know, we're not perfect, right? Oh, here it That's is. True. Okay, uh, 0325, 1969. All right. And this, trust me, this is pretty rusty stuff. Anyway, it's called Young and Resisting, version 2. Uh, eyes of anguish, heart. This, by the way, this goes back to that guy sitting in the restaurant looking at me. This was what I was working on at that time. Eyes of, okay, it's young and resisting. Eyes of anguish, heart of pain. My homeland, I despair. My dreams I see before my eyes, a cabin in northern lands. Snowbound passages with mountain drifts, where lonely hearts meet. Exiles, sequestered, gathered. I twist my shapes, confused, alone. Isolated is the mode of life. No paths to be plowed but my own. My eyes see universalities of hidden truths. Here lodge the changeless values. Frigid, no, frigid, frail, grief within the breeze. Left to reckon with despondencies of winters gone by. Mysteriously riddled, drain brain teas with patriotic yet reclusive calm. I'm stashed away. This wilderness avant-garde, here now alone breathing. I'm now a Canadian in this northern land. It's one of the first poems ever written back in 1969, but I read a few in 19. I'm sorry, I wrote a few back in 1968. Pretty wow. pathetic. No, not pathetic at all. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed well, it. Thank you. It's, uh, I've been ashamed yes. to send these out, but uh, I haven't. But you know, I even got four or five more bang bang bother with all those. Yes. What's up? Ken, please share yes, sir. <clears throat> Okay. Well now we're gonna change and go right to one that I wrote I wrote this about three weeks ago. Mm. And the title of it is Radiance of Mortality. This is this poem also is a little bit strange, and I'll explain it when we get done. It starts, perched upon gray branches in leafless trees, blackbirds rest on their journey to nowhere. An icy red wine sky leaps into our mind just over the horizon, a mysterious radiant mortality blooms as it waits church bells toll in the valleys a pain in my head reaches a crescendo the illness rages dirty linen is left here the body quakes and quivers with the fever night brings a moonless horror crickets sing raspy breathing slows body stiffens as the woeful spirit releases. Death arrives in a radiance of darkness. As the sun rises, eyes open to a different view of life. Is death the absolute end or just a new beginning? That's it. Mm. Wow. I know that poem was recently published, I believe. Am I correct? Yes, yes, I just got it published. Yep. That's a real nice poem, Ken. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's about the uh, 
what we're going through right now with the, the illness, with the virus as it is. That was actually going to be my next question. How did the virus or the pandemic affect your work or your work ethic? How was it this past year? It, it, it didn't bother me at all. Didn't bother me at all. No, no, no. Um, what about you, Michael? I, I work right in my home. I have uh, my office is my living room, and I have my desk yes. and everything set up right here. And uh, so it, it really didn't bother me too much. Uh, the pandemic itself, well, that was a little hit there with the shopping. No more going yes. out to eat, you know, and that sort of thing. But as yes. far as work goes, no, it didn't bother my work at all. What about you, Michael? Uh, you know what? I'm sure like Ken, you know. I'm old. I don't go nowhere. Nobody wants me to go anywhere. <laughs> Nobody cares if I go anywhere. Yeah, I know the feeling. Nobody wants to love me. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. You know, but anyway, the bottom the bottom line is is that uh, you know I have a wonderful lady friend of thirty years, and we get together once a week, and we went through this thing together where we wore a mask together. We'd go out to eat. Uh, no, we wouldn't go out to eat. Oh, I mean, well, we went out to eat sometimes, but when it really got bad, we just you know we got we went and we picked up something, went back to um, a private place, and we ate. And uh, neither one of us were really exposed to too much. I actually got filthy, not rich, but I got I made a lot of money during the virus thing with mutual funds, surprisingly. But oh, wow. uh, I also wrote a poem uh, about the virus. Can I share that with you? Yes, of course you can. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Virus in the air, spasms in my back. I have back issues. Okay. There's a virus in the air, but I cannot see it. People are dying around me, but I cannot save them. There are spikes pierced in my back, spasms, but I cannot touch them. Heartbeats, hell pulsating my back muscles, I covet in my prayers. I turn right to the left in bed, then hang still. Nails impaled, I bleed hourly, Jesus on that cross. Now 73 years of age, my half-sister, 92, told me, getting old isn't for sissies. I didn't believe her. Until the first mimicked words out of Gipper, my new parakeet's mouth, sitting in his cage alone to her, Daddy, it's not easy being green. <laughs> That's it. Wow. <laughs> You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Ken, why do you write? I write basically uh, to express is what it all boils down to. I have things that I want to say. I have things that I want to say, and uh, I say them with poetry. That's about mm. it. That's about Nothing it. Nothing. It's cut and dry. That's that's what it really boils down to. And when you say them, what happens? When you say these, things, I you want to say. I feel good. I feel good. Uh, I read them. Read them again. Read them again. 
my son will tell you about that. So we reread and rewrite and rewrite and reread and uh but when it all gets done and it's published someplace, I sit back and I say, Okay, that that right. part that I wanted to express is done. Now let's go find something else. And that's what we do. All right. What about you, my friend Michael? Why do you write? I don't know. I you uh, don't know. I, 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 you know, yeah, I do sort of. You know, pe- people use these prompts to get started on poems. I, I, you know, then somebody who stands in a room with a bunch of people says, "Okay, let's write a poem right now." I can't do that shit. No, no. I can't, I can't do that shit. You know, the bottom line is I get struck by an idea. I get struck by a feeling. I try to write it down on a two-by-five card, index card, when I'm laying in bed at night or whatever. I, or I might only get a starter, what I call a starter poem, maybe three or four lines, a good start, and then all of a sudden it fizzles out. And then I come back to it later, and it sometimes comes through. Then other times I've got poems that, uh, by the way, I seldom write a poem just say it's perfect. And you know what? Okay. Uh, I hate crossword puzzles. I hate them. I told my lady friend how much I hate them. But ironically, writing poetry is pretty similar in a way because you're always looking to, like Ken said in the beginning, to get rid of that useless word, to to, to tighten it up, uh, to make it come together in a flow. It is work, you know. And the bottom line is I have some poems that started out, and there are revisions up to version 8. So if you think you can just sit there. I, you know what? i got to mention this. Ken, you're going to relate to this. We have people on our Facebook groups. I'm not trying to criticize them because the reality is that group is up there for people who just like to read poems, who just want to yeah. listen, want to write some of their own, who doesn't really care, but they just like being there. Whatever, that's all fine. But one thing I've learned is you see some of the uh, members, they're so prolific. They're pumping out two or three things a day and whatever. Yes. And I'm looking at those and saying, yeah, not too bad, but, <coughs> you know, doesn't work that way for me. No, nope. no. Nope. Well, guys, we've come to the end of the program. I, I can't that's believe that. That's your fault, Michael. Like I know it. I know it. I know it. I want to thank you both for spending some time with me, just talking and shooting the breeze. Um, This has been a lot of fun. I really admire you both so much, and uh, it makes me proud to be a poet. To be in good company. Like and I you know what? Tonight. We need to look into your work a little bit more, too. And you know what? I miss a little bit. I wish we would have had a little bit more time to, you know, to pick up on anyone who may have called in. Well, no one called in, unfortunately. Well, so, isn't that nice uh, since I publicized it so much? No one called in. They're all home just listening in awe like I am here listening. <laughs> Well, three lonely son of a guns in the middle of some <laughs> state that neither one of us know where the hell we live in. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's, that's 25 You know, my, my lady friend, she always says to me, Michael, you don't have a sense of humor. You know, there's well, something odd about that. Something really <laughs> odd about that. But well, I, I thoroughly well, enjoyed it tonight. Well, thank you, Ken. I'm, I'm glad you're here, my friend. I'm glad you're both here. 
And to our listening audience, I want to say thank you again, and hopefully you're celebrating National Poetry Month was was fun and joyful, and you learned new things about new poets and new ways of being. So to everyone, I say to all of you, let poetry ring, and good night. Good night, guys. Good night, Good night Michael. Thank you. Good night, Ken. Good night, Mike. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.